Alexander again here with my partner, Dr. Danielle McGinnis. Danielle, thanks for joining me. So what we're going to pull apart and talk a little bit about today is Memorial Day. Some of the themes uh, that are active, some of the motifs that are active, what's active in culture, and yeah, just see where it goes like we do with these Deep End podcasts and see um, see what it brings up for people. And I should probably start by saying like there's some part of me that uh, I was in the military for 12 years and I did lose people that were intensely or incredibly close to me during that time. And I remember when I was in the military and Memorial Day would come and I would see all of these people that uh, all these businesses that are running sales on Memorial Day and I would get so, so angry and, and feel like um, why I, I think my central the thing that that my anger was constellated around is this idea that we're using dead soldiers to make money. Mm-hmm. Um, as an opportunity to make money. And and I had a tough time with that. But I, I thought today we'd talk, I've made sense of that a bit, and I thought maybe we'd talk a little bit about about why that is. To me... Um, I think it's an important conversation to have. I mean, it literally affects almost everybody. I mean, In the United sure, States. Yeah. I'm sure people's inboxes are being flooded with sales and deals and advertisements that are driving you to spend money on this weekend and so i mean it's yeah especially if you're in the states like you're definitely affected by it yeah yeah and and so like i said there's something about the monetization of dead soldiers that like really i have a problem with um and so i thought i could explain um if you do have a problem with that one level of analysis, one way of viewing it that might help you understand why. And if you don't have a problem with it, also why that why that's true. And I think it comes down to this idea that our central religion in this culture is capitalism, right? And so I want to qualify what I mean when I say that. And to do that, I have to talk a little bit about values. And I've pulled this apart in courses and lectures that I've done, and I'll probably have a couple up online soon. Um, working with these values, but to say a couple of things real quick about the idea of a value system is that each of us have an intrinsic value system, right? And what a value is, is is the level of importance that you apply to something. And so we've, and okay, and so our values are hierarchical as well. And what that means is that we value one thing over another thing. And this is always true and it has to be that way because we have to make decisions in reality. So reality is always confronting us with um, what seems like choice and we have to decide what to do. And so we are making a value decision in the background of every actual decision or choice we make in this life. We are choosing some value over another. Now, if you go all the way to the top of your value system, there's something at the top of it because it's hierarchical. There's something that you value the most, right? And one way of thinking about that is that's what God is, right? In, in a religious standpoint, God is the transcendent value in a monotheistic sense, the transcendent value by which all other values are measured. And so the idea is that you arrange your behavior in service to that value. You make decisions constantly with whatever is at the top of your value system, mm-hmm. right? So what I'm, when I say capitalism is our religion, one of the things I'm asserting is that the is that making money in some sense is really high in our value system. Right? Or maybe the highest, perhaps. Now, just to revisit this idea of our values being hierarchical. 
one way to think about that is a soldier dying in the military. So I had a, a buddy that died in the military, a few, but one really close, my roommate. Now, the only way that that happens is because that person values something over self, right? So you can see the way that your value system gets played out all the way to the end of your life, right? So when a soldier dies in the military, it, it happens because they value something, honor, nationalism, patriotism, whatever they've whatever whatever it is they're serving over themselves and so they literally make that decision that's the only way you could make that decision now values affect the world that we see the world we're actually living in and what i mean by that is if you hear of a soldier who gives their life in service to the country and you think that there's some reverence around that some mystique about that something to honor about that it's because your value system is set up similarly and if you see that as a shame or ridiculous, it's because your value system is not set up that way at all, right? So you wouldn't make that decision and you wouldn't understand why other people would make that decision. Mm -hmm. So it's helpful to just look at what we're talking about as, as that, as the sort of manifestation of our internal value system. Can we pause for a second? And yeah. can you clarify to the listeners um, where these these values aren't necessarily fully chosen that like oh, they're say that, yeah. actually moving through you. So it's not fully conscious, like your values, the, the values kind of move through you. It's not like you're consciously choosing every single value. Right. Right. You're enacting a behavior because from my perspective, an archetype of some nationalism right patriotism that's an archetypal experience that has inherent value in it that you're being possessed by mm -hmm. right but it's really helpful when we have consciousness about our values because then we can be in right relationship and not be possessed by our values totally okay. yes right okay. and so the way that i like to explain that is you have an internal constitution and it makes demands of you right okay. and so it's not like saying this is the problem I have with belief in our belief culture of like, we're always trying to say like, do you believe that? Do you not believe that? It's like, well, it doesn't matter. You have to act as if that's true. You have to act as if you have an internal constitution that makes demands of you because if you don't obey it, you experience division in yourself. You experience you moral experience injury. Possession. You, possession. Yeah, right. So so it's it has nothing to do with like, oh, is this true? Is it not true? It's like, you have to live as if that is true, as if this is happening. Now, to get back to the beginning thing that I wanted to say is like one of the most, you know, one of the quickest ways to make yourself miserable is to expect you out of other people, right? So w part of me wanted to do this episode a little bit just because I was a veteran. There's like this idea of an angry veteran is kind of like a meme, right? Um, kind of like a, yeah, I don't know. It's just like a popular kind of motif that shows up in our culture and it's like, what happens is if I if you run a sale on Memorial Day, I'm gonna look at me three years ago. Okay. Right, I'm going on Instagram and I'm gonna like blast it to the world of like you're an asshole. Like these are dead people. Why don't we show some respect? And now what's happening there is I'm expecting my value system out of somebody else, mm -hmm. and I'm suffering because of it mm -hmm. because I expect them to conform to my values. And I think we suffer in life a lot in that way. You know. So this conversation is rooted in what do you value? What are you valuing 
is that conscious more so than what you should or should not be valuing. Right, right. Yeah, totally. Now, like we all have our own intrinsic value system. Culture works when enough of our values overlap. That's Mm -hmm. how we coexist, right? And if they're too far apart, we don't. You know, Mm -hmm. we go to war, actually. Mm -hmm. And so what's interesting um, about this idea that that understanding that capitalism is our religion in this culture, the reason that that was helpful for me is because remember when I said this idea that God is this top value and that we make our decisions in service to whatever we've made our God. Well, now you can see why a company says, I'm willing to monetize this day of reverence to make more money because that's, that is the value that I'm in service. So people dying for their country, all of that becomes nested under this religious guise. Right. And so I hope I'm making sense with that, but just trying to, trying to articulate this idea that, um, because that's so, because capitalism, because making money is so high in our value system, we make decisions in service to that because our gods demand obedience. Mm-hmm. Whatever we serve, we're, we're constantly making decisions in, in light of that. I'm just Googling here, like, what is the Greek goddess of, of money or wealth? Tyche? I don't have T-Y-C-H-E any. T-Y-C-H-E was the goddess of fortune, chance, providence, and fate. Um, so that's interesting to me because... It's almost as if like we're not even honoring the goddess of wealth because then that would imply that we also have inner wealth, inner abundance. But I just see a lot of empty people trying to make themselves the god of wealth right? or other companies and it's just a bunch of disconnected people serving themselves without the actual images of these it doesn't have to be greek gods and goddesses but it can be any mythological character but that's interesting to me yeah well it's interesting when you think about this idea that like so when i say capitalism i'm kind of talking about the self-serving nature of that right because um i'm not talking about like let's say abundance or prosperity in a holistic sense right where that where there's peace in the internal kingdom rather no i'm serving this thing that i believe is going to give me peace in the internal kingdom and that's Mm. the dollar Mm. right so i'm like making my decisions in service to that in some sense so i like i said i think for me anyway it's just really helpful for me to have a, a level of analysis with which to view the craziness right because whatever craziness is going on in the world when you look in the world and see craziness, what you're seeing is a different set of values. That's what you're seeing. And that's, and you're, and you are, like I said, it's, it's influencing every level of your reality. It's influencing the world you're looking at, right? Because think about this person that dies in the military and I, whether I think that's reverence or with reverence, I approach it with reverence, or I think it's a shame. The event itself is neutral. It's it's just happening in the world, but it's the value system that we bring to the event and then see it with, which is informing the kind of world we believe we're looking at, mm-hmm. right? And so when it comes to Memorial Day, like to me, it feels like, okay, if you want to honor the underlying um, sort of idea behind Memorial Day, 
then it's, it's to reflect on your value system and show reverence to the sacrifices that have to be made in order for your value system to be lived out in the world. Mm-hmm. Right. Because every, and because every value has a cost, right? So if I value growth, that cost is going to be show up in my life as discomfort, you know, as, as a bunch of different things. If I value freedom, then the cost is safety. Right. And so there's, the, so because every value has a cost, what we are, what we're saying on Memorial day in some sense is like, Hey, we should stop and pause for a minute and show respect to what happens when our values are lived out in the world because the sacrifice is actually in human life, right? But but if you start to understand it in terms of if capitalism is the religion, because that, that's what helped me like really understand what I thought the military is doing in our engagements overseas. If you can bring it, if you can understand, it's all nested within this religion of capitalism that we serve. And it comes down to an exchange of currency almost always. You know, you can't, like I said, it just gives you a lens by which I don't have to go insane. I can actually just understand that their values are not my values, right? And that decision, that realization was the realization that I got out of the military for. You know, uh, and like I have so much respect for that environment. And now I go back to the military environment and give talks and like, but, but just, yeah, I guess just showing if we want to get at the essence of the idea, what we need to get at is this idea that our values take sacrifices and we, we live them out right to the bloody end, you know, and, and so to take a moment to pause, to think about the sacrifices that have been made in order for your value system to be lived out in the world. That's a way you can honor it in a sort of way that will make individual sense for you. So how do you see um, in, in our modern culture, how do you see this capitalism showing up as religion play itself out? I mean, we spoke of some examples, but like, how do you see this play out? Well, so like, that's one way, right? Think about this. Think about the sort of torturous progress that climate change has tried to make like that that advocates for climate have tried to make right like part of it is because the every religion has uh, implied okay and not okay things to do right so there are like values implied with this is what i mean by a transcendent value you have to understand what the god is because all the other values are in service to that thing so the if the God is money or something along those lines, the, the advancement making of money, right? Well, then some of the values implied in that are like one is growth at all costs, right? Mm-hmm. And so we see that in our country because if we have a market downturn for even two quarters of regression instead of growth, everyone's like, oh no, we're moving into uh depression. I can't remember what it's called before a depression, but like it's a problem not to grow constantly, right? And so when you have a cause that you care about, say like climate change or something, then you have to understand that the acceptable religion is money. And so it's going to shake out however it shakes out, but it's going to be in service to that to that god, right? Mm-hmm. So it it's not like I think this is where where people struggle. Like this is what I'm saying. I struggled not understanding that I don't have capitalism as my religion. I do act it out though because I live in this culture in some ways, right? But when you have a cause that you want to care about more, that's where you see where you can't betray the religion. 
Mm. It's not okay to be a heretic. And so why I think some people with like these causes like climate change and stuff are one of the reasons that I think people struggle to get their point across is because it can't, you can't supersede the top value in a religion. So the, there's no cause that can be more important than God, right? And so if money's the God, then nothing can be more important than that. And you can't make a decision that apply that says something is more important than that because then you're a heretic and then you're outside of the system. So if if you're not making money, then that's viewed as not as valuable. So the conversation isn't as likely to be had mm-hmm. or the there isn't as much to be stirred around that topic in particular because it's kind of useless in a culture that puts money as God. Is that what you're saying? Can, can you say say that say more about that? Well, it seems to me like, you know, if you have the top value, it is money, right? Well, I'm just thinking of my experience in entrepreneurship, right? Like if I went by these particular systems that I was taught by business coaches, right? That had different value systems than me, correct? So like their value was to systematize your business to make profit. Mm -hmm. My value was to, it seems as if my value was to steward people through the unconscious. And that's really the most important thing for me Mm -hmm. is to treat psyche as if it's real. But like if I'm not making money and systematizing my business in a way that's making money in the way that those coaches saw, Mm -hmm. then it would be viewed that my business wasn't as valuable as their business that was systematizing and making six figures. Mm -hmm. Because maybe I'm making not six figures, but actually living in accordance with my top value, but it's viewed as less valuable than the people who act as if yes. money is the top God. Yeah, right. Christiancy has a quote, like we end up uh, valuing the things we can measure because we don't know how to measure what we actually value, right? And so if you think about it in that sense, it's like... So our value, like these values are quantitative. Yes. And if you have a value system that's based on qualitative experience of the world right then you're going to feel some dissonance with kind of collective values i think so and i think it's helpful to see that okay what is money it's a story about value in the world right and so it makes perfect sense that it would rise to the top of our value hierarchy because it's we we serve uh, quantity we serve measurement right and so it is the way to measure value in the world it's not the only way to measure value in the world and that's where we struggle i think because we make you know quantitative decisions but our lived experience of reality is qualitative so if i make a decision in service of let's say i'm looking for a job and i make the decision in service of the quantitative aspect how much money do i make what are my benefits what's what's the number column say then I'm miserable. It's because I have been mistaken by the fact that my life is not quantitative in nature. It's qualitative. There's a quality, a lived experience, a quality to my lived experience. So if I make, if I make my value system only quantity, it's kind of a crapshoot at how it turns out. So this is interesting, right? I want to play with these different ideas now that we're taught. We're kind of going away from Memorial Day a little bit, but I want to kind of 
throw these ideas up here. Okay. So for me in particular, switching career paths and pivoting down this um, path that was actually more in alignment with my value system, like mm-hmm. fundamentally much more resonance with myself. And then I can actually get out of the way when that's the case, right? Yeah. Um, some of the feedback that I got along the way was, well, what about your student loans? And that was about the last thing on my mind when I was thinking about pivoting my career hmm. because there was just this wrenching in my soul that what I was doing was not serving the the quote unquote right God. Right. Yes. So if I were totally. to stay in my career path as a physical therapist, just so I could pay my student loans back, I'm honoring the God of capitalism. Correct? You're making that decision. Yeah. Right. Right. So this is interesting, right? Because I actually wouldn't be making that decision out of the love of wisdom, right? Out of a philosophical underpinning, I would be making it out of fear. Right. Well, you're right. Fear of what if there's another God other than money, other than like capital capitalism, mm-hmm. right? So I think this is interesting. It's an interesting conversation because it, it's like, okay, so if you have this kind of monotheistic hierarchy mm-hmm. and then the way that you're living in your life or moving in your life doesn't have resonance with that. You start to feel the dissonance of that. When that starts to fall apart, that's interesting. Because for me in particular, it opened up a multiplicity of, of about a thousand different things hmm. that I valued other than that. So I don't, it's and- interesting now because I feel like maybe... I, I'm having a hard time thinking in this hierarchical way about the one at the top, uh-huh. but I'm thinking maybe if I were to, to try to figure that out, it would be to to act as if psyche is real and be a steward of the soul. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't know. Well, well, you have to understand that our thoughts about religion now are fundamentally monotheistic because of the framework we've been built within, but it's not the framework it's not the only framework. There were polytheistic religions in the culture war, the monotheistic religion won in our culture war, sorry, right? In Western culture, go Greece, Rome, Silk Road, us, right? And there's the Roman Catholic and all that. So so the monotheism won. And so we're brought up in this hierarchy. So that's our psychic structure. Okay. There are psychic structures which would put the multiplicity at the top, and that's polytheism. So I fell off the top and became a, became a pagan. <laughs> became a pagan. So, well, and I think like you know when you think about Carl Jung and people ask like is he is he Christian? Is he religious? Is he this? And and I heard one person say he's like well he's monotheistic spiritually and polytheistic psychologically, and I think that um, is one way to think about this. But like. Right, this framework too. Now, if you start thinking about this, that we have this religious framework that is monotheistic, that does match up to our psychic structure of value systems, right? Because even in a polytheistic framework, there you're gonna die for something, even if it's even if you don't make it conscious, right? You could die for comfort, like you could. Die, you're serving something whether you make it conscious or not. You know, you're that's fate. You know, you're making decisions. But if you understand, so if you understand the psychic structure in this way, then when you make decisions that are celebrated by the world but kill your soul, you realize why. 
right? Mm-hmm. Because you belong in the religion and we're going to sell it. You're part of this. We'll celebrate you for this. It doesn't matter if it's honoring what your actual value system is, what your actual internal constitution is asking you to do, right? Is this what you think Young meant by when he said that the gods have become diseases? Do you think it's, you know, we're yes. stuck in this monotheistic framework, this hierarchical framework let's say we're honoring capitalism and making all of our decisions and all of our life moves because of it. And then we have all of these symptoms that well up within our being and it's the other gods trying to break through. Yeah. So we could look at this Gnostically too. I don't know um, if people have a understanding of Gnosticism or or not. Um, Some people will, but Anyway, I'll just give the basic worldview of the Gnostic, right? Is that this idea that that Christ as the feminine and uh, Sophia as the feminine, or Christ as the masculine, Sophia, the goddess of wisdom, is the feminine principle. It's kind of like Shiva Shakti. So there's the masculine and feminine principle at the beginning of time. And the Gnostics believed that the god of the Old Testament was this god they called Yaldabar, which is essentially a, a god of a lower reality than the light that you're actually from. So every person, and this will make sense in a minute, every person has an inner light from Sophia and from Christ, the inner light of wisdom, right? Mm-hmm. But you're trapped in this world where all of these other things parade as the light, Parade as God. So you serve your iPhone thinking it's God. This is a Gnostic cosmology. Right. And, and so when you think about the Gnostic gospels, like the gospel of Thomas, where Christ says, if you, what is it? If you, if you bring what's within you out of you, it'll save you. And if you don't bring what's within you out of you, it'll destroy you. So like the idea that all of these other gods, there's all these gods around us that distract us, that keep us from turning inward toward our internal light. And that's the only actual thing that can save us. Can you speak a little bit about, um, cause you said nested within a religion, there's an inherent morality, a good and a bad. Um, can you speak a little bit about, um, how when we're actually looking at, the myths that move religions there's the gods or the god is outside of morality so like it's 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 humans that have the good and the bad and the right and the wrong but like depending on what god you're possessed by it is outside of right and wrong can you do you know what i'm speaking of yeah i mean i could say a couple of things about it um so one is hopefully this isn't too all over the place for people, but the idea of morality. <laughs> welcome to the deep end. <laughs> if we, yeah, welcome to the deep end. It, in terms of a value system, the idea of morality is, as I said, first we have to understand what's at the top. This is God. This is the transcendent value by which everything else is measured. Now, morality are the decisions you make in service to your God, right? And so I can show where this show played out in history. I can talk about that, but. But, okay, I will actually. Um, Right around the time of Marcus Aurelius, the Roman Empire is still pagan, right? And they're kind of like, what they do is everyone they conquer, they just kind of bring their gods in, right? Mm -hmm. So the only thing that's not really acceptable, it depends on who the emperor is, is monotheism. You just, you have to also honor the state gods and that's pretty much the requirement, right? So 
and Christianity isn't called Christianity at this time. It's called the way. These are followers of this person, Christ, who died. Now, what's fascinating is, and he died, he was killed by the Roman Empire, right? Now, how is it that that person who is killed becomes, how does the pattern flip and that person becomes the deity, the lowest of the highest? How does that happen? Well, what happens in history is that these people, and this, I'm not making metaphysical claims, by the way. I'm saying what happened in, in a sort of socioeconomic way. Um, what happens is a plague comes and takes out Rome. It's the plague that killed Marcus Aurelius. Well, because the pagans didn't necessarily have a unifying structure by which they made their decisions by, there was survival automatically gets put at the top if you're unconscious of what you're serving, right? You're going to serve your, you're going to serve your survival. It's wired in you. So what happens is this plague comes and everybody just kind of like the thing is everyone's just trying to survive. So like if someone gets it, they just put them outside until they die or don't, but they like try to space, get space from them, right? Well, what happens is this group of people following the way who have identified their top value are now have a moral structure. It's introduced into the world, right? And if you look through history, you'll see the real clash between Christianity and paganism is actually morality. It's, it's what you're measuring your morals off of at the end of the day. So what happens is all of these Christians start to band together because brotherly Christian love, you know, all these things that have been kind of almost, you know, um, caricatures in our time emerge as really important ideas. So what happens because of that is that it's actually important to take care of people because you're not serving your life, you're serving this God, right? So what that, what that means is more people became immune to the plague. More people got it just because more people were around, you know, they're taking care of each other, sacrificing themselves in service to the value. They're taking care of each other. And then what happens is more of, because more people get it, more people live through it because their immunity is higher just by percentage of people. So what happens is this plague rips through Rome. And when it does, you know, the way followers of the way were a really small percentage before, and they jump some like 20% in relation to the rest of the population because more of them survived. And that's one of the things that starts this wave that ends up why Christ becomes the deity of the Roman empire. And so... Mm. That's also why now, if you're raised under this banner, it doesn't make sense to flatten it into a moral teaching. It's not a moral teaching, right? St. Augustine, Church Father, says, love God and do as you please. That's what he's saying. Clarify your top value, and then what you please is going to be in service to that. But if I just abstractly force a moral structure on you, don't have sex— and you have and you have no consciousness around why that is like what value i'm serving or anything survival comes to the top biology biological drives come to the top but now you're in an inner war because your true value system and the value system you've been given are different and so a lot of our internal division happens from us trying to assimilate to what the culture's religion is while trying to figure out how do i find myself in all this who am I? What do I really value? <laughs> There's a lot of this where I'm like thinking about the last couple of years of the pandemic and like, I'm like, oh, history just repeating itself. <laughs> you know, this plague sweeps through, this pandemic sweeps, sweeps through. And it's like, I think we've been living out of survival for a really long time, but like, it's very evident that we're living out of our survival brains or instincts. Totally. 
Yeah, totally. And serving our religion. Yeah, which is, I don't think, anywhere close to the religion that Jesus was teaching and preaching and embodying. One could say, you know, we could say the difference between guilt and shame too, I think, because I think guilt comes as a result of you being out of alignment with your own value system and realizing, oh, I made a decision I don't agree with. Shame comes from other people telling you that your value system is incorrect. So you're the thing that's wrong because you're not serving the right God. You're not serving the right value system. And so when that gets put on our like psyches, when we're growing up and forming and trying to picture our, we're integrating all the things we're learning we integrate those two characters and one's telling us, but I'm this way. And then one's telling us, yeah, but that's not okay to be that way. And that's shame. But if it were just guilt, it would lead you to a higher understanding of who you are, mm-hmm. right? If it were just guilt and you realize it didn't say anything about you, that when you betrayed your internal value system, your conscience or daemon told you that, well, now you have something you can follow to the absolute highest version of who you're here to be. Yeah, I've worked on that with a lot of clients, actually, when they've kind of, like, made mistakes or acted out, quote-unquote. Mm. And it's really interesting to uncouple the shame from that because, like, the guilt feels spot-on to the inherent conscience. Mm. Um, it's like, yeah, maybe you shouldn't have done that. Totally. But right. also it says nothing about you that you did. Right. Like, but except about- that feedback of, of moving closer in resonance with whatever God's trying to work through you. Right, right. And so, you know, I can't remember who says it, but like this idea that like most people aren't a unified I. They're not a unified self. They're a subcommittee of different personalities and motivations and desires that are all fighting for that top spot. And so when that... Jordan peterson Yeah, so when that top spot, I think it might be. When that top spot though, the reason that makes sense in this context is when that top spot is unconscious right all of these different divisions are happening it's when you make it conscious that you bring your actions into alignment with it that you're no longer multiple you're all flowing in the exact same direction right well i think it's interesting because i feel like there can be this like multiplicity of self without having so much of like the division and dissociation yeah the multiplicity is all moving in one direction rather than infighting for values yeah right i mean i don't think it's that simple in practice right but right, th- right. but conceptually that would be the idea you yeah. know but we have such a shame culture that like well i'm thinking about like even this conversation right so if someone hears you at the beginning mm-hmm. say something about their business running a sale and someone automatically takes that super personally and feels really shitty about themselves. Like, really, that's not what we're saying. It's really just amplifying a conversation and and holding a mirror up to value systems. So it really doesn't say anything about you. If you have done this, it's more asking the question of of what is the value that I'm serving. So I think that that's a really important... Because I... that's So that's what I was kind of trying to get at at the beginning is like I used to go on Instagram and be like, you're shit if you do this. And not realizing that what I'm expecting is my value system out of every other person in the world, which is a guaranteed way to be miserable. Right? It's actually holding my experience loosely, realizing that my value system is one of many. And it's not even in alignment with the top value system, the top religion, you know, of our culture. 
and like Jung looked at religion as an instinct, right? So this is a, that's a good way to think about it. Like the instincts aren't negotiable, right? You're being pulled by it. You're being pulled by it, right? So if again, if you don't clarify what's my God, what am I serving here? If you don't figure it out, then that doesn't. You're still getting pulled by it. You just don't know what it is, right? So maybe adding into this conversation, just because. Um, I work a lot with emotions and feelings and intuitions and instincts and things like that. Um, Are there specific ways or stories that you have of working with people and their values that clarify maybe when there is a quote-unquote rightness about when they are in alignment or they're feeling a a specific resonance and maybe when they're feeling dissonance? Like, I I mean, guilt and shame shows you said yes are are factors of maybe dissonance but like are there some other things that come up what i find really interesting just not to cop out of the question but like i find it interesting that i if you ask yourself whether i'm in alignment right now or not you kind of know like for example if i just said right now list all the ways that you're not in alignment you could actually produce a list Mm -hmm. right you just know like there's something implicit that knows um I think what happens is we try to shut that out in order to get, well, for whatever reason, right? So if I want belonging with the cultural religion, then I shut that out. Man, I think this is kind of circling around that that young quote I always tell you that my analyst tells me about how individuation is a path for orphans. Mm. Um, And I think there's a factor that goes along with this is like to go on your own path of individuation coming into your unique individual relationship with the divine with the mystery like you kind of do have to be orphaned from the collective Mm. and also there's a lot of like orphan motifs in alchemy about the stone as the orphan so the philosopher's stone the ultimate goal is the orphan Mm. so i think that's really interesting too yeah because i think like if we look at it through a system of values like you have to figure out where yours are different from culture like that has to be a part of the journey right it doesn't have to look like that like you don't have to use the term value it's just a lens that is helpful for me so talking about this capitalism as the highest value some byproducts of that so a lot of people could be walking around with an inherent sense of shame and not know why Mm -hmm. right totally um, but I'm thinking about a lot of, a lot of times I teach that pride and shame sit on a very similar spectrum, mm. pride on one side and shame on the other. But typically what happens is we don't really necessarily have an authentic sense of pride. It's more an inflated sense of pride to protect us from the shame that's underneath of it. Mm. Um, and so I was thinking about kind of like inflated pride as another byproduct of honoring the quote-unquote unconscious god of capitalism yeah i was thinking of you know pride and greed came to mind when i was thinking about what happens when we honor this particular god unconsciously yeah pride's so interesting because it's right so okay so there's a lot of pride being evoked in memorial day right um pride in values or pride in the values you've served right because you know i guess what i'm pride is like 
like authentic pride to me is when you've really authentically moved towards something and like you've accomplished something you've you've lived in alignment with your values yes and pride goeth before the fall that's like what i'm struggling with is that it's this thing that pull it's got the power to pull you up and it's got the power to make you fall it's like this knife's edge right the entire United States Marine Corps runs off pride. Right? It's a very strong emotion. And people that grow up in towns, like there's a lot of people that um, I feel like in the military that, and I don't, I'm not saying this pejoratively at all, but like that come from really rough areas and it is a way out, right? It's a way into serving something bigger than yourself. And so pride pulls people from the ghetto, from, from the slum, from the like lowest of the low, from shame. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, if you never transcend that, right? well, it might be good and positive. It might be helpful inflation, though, right? Yeah, it might move I, you into a new level of consciousness. But if you don't ever transcend that, it's also the thing that's going to make you fall, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I think sometimes we people just live in that kind of like swampland of shame. There whole Mm. entire life right and so Mm -hmm. to be pulled out of that by pride i I do think that there's value in that totally but you can't claim to be on an individuation path if that's just unconsciously pulling you your whole life and you have one no idea i mean i don't think a lot of people know who they are anyway but um if if they don't have the sense of who they are in relationship to the things around them, the the divine, the values that they're living out. I, I'm not sure if that's, you would call that individuation. Right. So one thing that's interesting to think about is that values are implicit. And what I mean by that is values are implied by the way you talk, the decisions you make. They're not out, they're not... You know, they're not explicit. They're implied. You're making, you're, you're choosing them. You're serving them and they're in the background. And so, so you're embodying them you're, whether you know it Yes. Or not. You're the manifestation of your value system. Mm-hmm. Right. And so oh, I forgot why I was going to say that. Oh, so if you want to ask what's the value. Okay. So you can listen to this conversation and say, for me anyway, what value is he prizing, prizing right now in this conversation? Right? It's like self-knowledge. It's probably the thing I'm like fighting for in this conversation. I was going to ask you, what value do you think is my highest value? Just by watching, I mean, we're around each other all the time. Like just by watching my everyday life, like what do you think is my highest value? I can tell you what I think yours is. Oh, I think yours is something along the lines of acceptance. But I think that has to be like drawn out because what happens I think is that when we go through traumatic experiences and stuff, when we get scattered, right? When we get divided internally, like I think you really value acceptance, like bringing these broken, scattered pieces and accepting them back into the whole, which is also grace, right? It's the same idea. Mm. Um, so I think it's something like that for you. Am mm. I right? Or do you, that, something? Something. I don't know if I would use the word acceptance, but uh-huh. like maybe something like that. Am I? Uh, I feel like it's something akin to adventure or exploration because, I mean, you're adventuring into the muck of your own soul. You're also adventuring into 
the airy transcendent realities you're adventuring into philosophies you adventure literally into nature a lot um so i think it would be something akin to adventure exploration yeah totally i think so the wander right right and then like again with all values like because there's a point where you figure out what do i think i value it's helpful to try to make it explicit because well, it's i think implied. It, it is it's helpful to ask because i feel like we're so blinded by our own actions and our that's why i ask because yeah <laughs> there's probably things that i do that i don't see um i try to look at them but like for sure there's blind spots yeah so if we go back to this gnostic idea that like there are all of these false gods around you and you have to look in to find the right one. That's that's kind of what I'm implying, right? That that's the matrix. Like we've we have literally like literalized these myths, like that Gnostic myth, that's what's underneath the, the matrix, right? Is that this is all false salute. You think your iPhone's God because you're not looking inward. You know? And so we have to um well I don't know, we're we're coming up on 47 minutes now so we can probably start to close but you know this idea of of memorial day like to me again because we live our vow we are embodying our values in the world that means we embody the sacrifice that those values cost too and to me anyway the way that because i like i said i i got out of the military because i realized i have a different value my value is not capitalism like it's really not but you realize i have a value and then I'm living a value out in the world, you know, and, and to bring those two things in alignment is how you get the sense of meaning in your life. My life is meaningful. When they're scattered, your life is absurd, meaning it doesn't have meaning, right? And so looking at the way, if we stay with the Gnostic myth, that all of these false realities have pulled you outward and demanded your obedience can be really helpful, as a, as a starting place for self-inquiry and self-knowledge, you know? So this might be off track, but I kind of want to go down this road if we just have a couple more minutes. Sure. Because um, it's something I know. We don't have sponsors on the deep end, so we can do whatever <laughs> we want. Um, I was listening to, I, I've been watching, you know, the CrossFit semifinals the past couple weekends. And the other day, they had somebody singing the national anthem before they started the games. And I was just, like, listening to the words of the national anthem. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, there's so many values in that that are inherent in the song that nobody pays attention to. And then I'm, like, looking at our neighbors that are just, like, popping up American flags on their front porch just unconsciously because it's Memorial Day weekend. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like sitting with this, what this, I'm speaking in, from America here, like what this America, America's value system really is. And in that song, in that anthem, it was, it kind of gave me a feeling of dissonance a bit. Well, I think, I think a verse has been taken out because it was so overtly racist, but um what's interesting yeah maybe fact check me on that it's not something i want to be wrong on but you know that song is about the war for a value system that's that song you know that's what we're celebrating the war for a certain set of values in the world to be lived out because like i said if our values are too separate we go to war and that's what's happening internally for us too we have a value that we're that 
we actually serve, that we actually have, and then we have a value that we actually serve. And there's a war going on internally for those two things, you know? Um, um, I'm just going to read the last couple lines. <laughs> I'm not going to sing it. Um, you guys are welcome on that. In uh, the rocket's red glare, the bombs bursting in air gave proof through the night that our flag was still there. Um, oh, say does the star-spangled banner yet wave over the land of the free and the home of the brave. I mean, that's it. Right. I don't want to literalize that too much because I'm sure there's a lot of poetics and metaphor and all of that. But the land of the free and the home of the brave. Mm -hmm. Like those are fundamental values of being an American. Right. Totally. Freedom and bravery. Yeah. At, At the cost of everything else. Yeah. But, and it might be at the cost of freedom and bravery. Right. You know what I mean by that? Like we, we might live this out in a meme and put up the flag, but we might not be free and we might not be brave enough to live in alignment with our own value system, which is what would make us free. Yeah. I think there's a lot of contradiction in the way that we actually live as Americans where, you know, personally, I think there's a lot of darkness in this, uh, in this country. I mean, we see it playing out. Yeah. But I think that like, you can see it now with technology. We're exposed to all of this darkness, all this tragedy, but yet there's no capacity for the tragedy to change us. There's no capacity for grief, which would actually be the thing that sets us free. The thing that would be the most courageous thing is to go into those tragic moments and to be with that and let it transform us. But rather we're setting higher than the actual experience because we've like kind of become disembodied from the qualitative experience of the value yeah yeah well and so this is again brings it back to this idea of the value we state and the value we live like the explicit and implicit values are different and that's true and like that seems to be an issue with our culture or maybe with culture in general like right because freedom and bravery are really noble, deep values that are going to cost you, well, they're going to cost you everything, right? And so what's interesting though is we just say it over and over. We say it before every baseball game. We just say it, you know, but it's like, but we maybe we serve something that actually traps us, like money, right? Because a whole other thing about this is whatever you put at the top of your value, you transform in like relationship to. And so we- What do you mean? We become what we love. We transform toward our top value. That's why in every religion there's an idea of theosis. In um, Greek Orthodox, in Christianity, it's called union with Christ. Um, In uh, Hinduism, it's called Atman is Brahman. It's this idea that we become what we serve. So capitalism, we become greed? Well, so, yeah. yeah, we like that? Or like, let's say money, right? Because I'm saying it's money is at the top. Capitalism is sort of the religion. Money's the God, right? So if that's what we serve and we become our top value, then the, what's the problem with serving money? Well, because then we become a lifeless exchange of currency. So we become we a lifeless become, exchange. Yeah. There's nothing. There's no soul. Uh-huh. There's no spirit, right? We're transformed. And then what happens when you serve money, right? Like, let's say I have a business and my bottom line is money, right? I have a fiduciary responsibility, right? All these words that teach you how to stay in alignment with the culture's religion. I have to, I have a, I have a responsibility to my shareholders and my bottom line. So what happens then? How do I get transformed into the thing I'm serving? Well, people become objects. 
Mm-hmm. They're not people anymore. They're, they're things I move in a certain way to get a certain outcome, to produce the God, mm-hmm. right? And so, and so that's like the danger with this stuff is that like, if, again, if you're not, if you don't know what you're serving and you become that thing, you might become a lifeless exchange. Wow. It might be nothing to you. I'm really glad that you said it was like grace or acceptance. I would much rather turn into grace and acceptance than an object. Yeah, but I think we have a lot of conversations about, we don't use these terms, but how tough it is to embody your values. Oh, it's the, the work most you have to do, the inner work you have to do to learn how to embody your values. Like it's, you know, I teach this, I'm teaching it to the Air Force coming up here in a little bit and one of my workshops with them. And it's like, make no mistake that this conversation is doing nothing <laughs> that mm-hmm. that it's removed from your lived experience of reality hopefully it, it gives you insight and opens the door and helps you realize where you're out of alignment but coming into alignment that's the war that's fought for the values you know there's a whole internal struggle that has to take place um and that's where bravery is a value and brave as an idea and bravery is a value of your lived experience are miles apart they're nowhere near the same thing. Yeah. Well, I think that's a great place to wrap up. Cool. Well, thanks Memorial for letting me uh, talk about it. <laughs> yeah, happy Memorial Day for our uh, U.S. listeners. Talk later. <laughs>